Hello and welcome to another episode of Software Should Be Free. Today I am joined by David Gisby, who I worked with at the Department for Education. Uh, and the reason I wanted to get David on is because David is a newer developer, although not so new to the world of work. Um, and in theory, I ended up mentoring David and I wanted to have a bit of a retrospective on that. So hello, David. Hi, thanks for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. So let's jump straight in. Um, so a lot of developers come straight out of uni um, and go straight into, like maybe they do computer science or something like that. Um, and they come into the place of work with new technical skills. And if they're anything like me, thinking they can do everything and they don't need to know any, anything from anyone, um, your, your path's a little bit different and probably getting more common these days. Um, so you've you've had some kind of career before you switched over to be a programmer like me. So I was wondering if you could, I've heard a bit of this story before, but even for my benefit, it'd be quite good to, to hear a bit about your journey and like what brought you to decide to cross train as a developer. Sure. So uh, I took a very like roundabout route for sure uh, to become a dev. I actually left school when I was pretty young. I was like 16. I uh, got a full-time job um, working in a benefit delivery center, which was my job was literally to call people up and tell them they wouldn't be getting their benefit. And it was brutal. It was an awful job. <laughs> uh, and then I did uh, left that. I traveled a bit, um, did the sort of every minimum wage job under the sun until I was about 21. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to go to uni. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I picked history because I liked it. <laughs> uh, so I went off to Bristol and did that. Um, and that was really good fun. And then finished that and thought, God, I don't know what I want to do. I know I don't want to be a historian. <laughs> the thought of doing a master's was not very appealing to me. Um, essay writing is not something I enjoy. Uh, and then I basically found, just saw a job at the Department for Education um, online and thought, oh, why not? So I went for it. It was a really interesting job. I quite liked it to begin with because we were quite understaffed and it allowed me to take on some quite like challenging work and quite varied work. So I was doing sort of some admin-y type stuff, but a lot of project management and like various things. Uh, and while I was working there, there was actually a opportunity. They were running a, a cross-department uh, pilot scheme to retrain civil servants as developers. Um, so if you could, like, somehow I've got paid for playing games, I would have made good money off it. Like, I, I don't come from, like, you know, like, never having touched a computer, played a lot of games and stuff, but I wasn't the sort of person. Like, I can... Do, I could do some things with a computer, but I definitely wasn't like I know you were where you were taking things apart from being young and figuring out how it worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just saw the opportunity and thought, well, I'm just going to give it a go and see if I like it. So I did various, you know, some stuff online and quite enjoyed it. And then I sort of just found, applied and before I knew it, I was sort of onto this scheme and um yeah, I had the opportunity to go away and do like a coding boot camp and, and everything like that. So it was it was really lucky, really. I just, I never looked really at the internet. Hopefully no one's listening. 
<laughs> from India. Uh, but yeah, I don't ever look at the internet and I just happened to see it on there. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, so I was working in Cambridge at the time and it was only publicized in London, Coventry or Manchester because that was where you had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, stumbled across it very luckily. What was your um, entrance into the, the civil service like? like so my my first job of computing was I I saw a index card in the career center at university and wandered into a local department and they went oh you'll be fine and here you are here's a server um like really kind of informal not much expectation not much pay like I understand that the civil service like entry is fairly rigorous presumably for any job like what what was that like and what what were you thinking you were going to get out of that job when you when you joined it uh well like i do i guess like education without being too like uh high you know high moral you know nonsense but like i it was something that i do feel like fairly passionately about i I think every i think most people that work in dfe there's a lot of ex-teaching stuff that i we i think most people do feel passionately about it Mm -hmm. uh in reality, it, I, you know, my dad's a, a civil servant. Like I knew the DFE was like a good department to join and there was there would be like a good room for progression. It's a bit more of like a policy-driven department. So um, I thought like maybe that would be, like I could work my way into doing something like that and that would be more interesting than perhaps being in sort of a more operational delivery-focused role, which is a very catch-all term for, you know, frontline um the frontline difficult jobs, which are like chronically underpaid in the civil service, unfortunately, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, like I, I would love to pretend that it was some massive decision to apply for that job. But I was applying for a lot at that point because I was out of uni, didn't really know what to do. So it was more just a case of like, oh, that that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll apply rather than. Uh, concert, you know, concerted effort. I yeah. thought, oh, when I left uni, I was thinking of doing all sorts. Because mm. thank God I didn't. But I was thinking about going into finance or like accountancy mm-hmm. for a while. And like, I just I know what I'm like, and I I really like being a dev, and I work pretty hard for for me. Which if I could see, if my 18 <laughs> year old self could see how hard I work now, they'd, they'd be like very shocked. But it's yeah, because I enjoy it. It's because I really enjoy it, so it doesn't feel like work. Whereas if I was tried to do be an accountant, I just know I wouldn't make it or I would hate it so much that my life would be miserable, you know, uh, but I was looking for all sorts. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I know a lot of people sort of have that thing, not a lot, but some people they're like, Oh, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a like, paramedic or a firefighter or in the army or whatever. And I just never really knew. Yeah. And um, some people follow that track and get to their final qualifications and get their job and realize yeah. they didn't like it after all. <laughs> so I, I've taken the approach of trying lots of different things and disliked most of them and then right. finally stumbled into something that, uh, that I really enjoyed so quite lucky so what was your so you were in the civil service for quite a while before you crossed trained weren't you yeah yeah I was in for a couple of years and of years. and I also was in for a year when I was sort of 18 to 19 so it wasn't yeah it wasn't like a new experience joining in, in digital mm. at all different i think i think what's funny is um sort of digital 
colleagues are often known for sort of being a bit like acronym heavy and like all these like <laughs> high theory concepts and stuff. And I actually found it the opposite. I think that mm. digital at least used the like cleanest, clearest language out of any place in the civil service I've worked. There are way less acronyms and yeah, it's like, it's technical. I guess it's quite technical and it's very different to the rest of the civil service, but I actually think it's really easy to work in digital as a non-technical colleague compared to like working. When I joined in Cambridge, they literally gave me a three page list of acronyms <laughs> I had to like learn, you know, it's, it's mad. Um, yeah. So were you, were you like actively kind of done with the, the previous career journey or was it, was it just that chance that you happened to see something and thought it was interesting? Um, I was definitely ready to move to a new role. Like I wasn't, uh, so the, the, basically in, in the previous role, the, the team filled out. So it was meant to be nine people, but for a long time it was about five. So I got to pick up lots and lots of interesting work, like I said earlier, and that came to a complete halt. Once the team filled out, I basically was doing all the, the like really boring admin type stuff that no one else really, well, maybe that's not fair but on the but I guess that is what the expectation when you are at the entry level mm-hmm. um so I was proactively looking for either to move up a grade to the, to the next step or something just something else in general um mm-hmm. but I would it's, it's funny I had done like a tiny bit of uh looking into learning some you know teaching myself to code a little bit and then I saw that a few weeks later so it was quite ideal already you mentioned like gaming being a big part of your background as it as it was for me yeah. over years. Um and I certainly never considered that to be a route to programming. Like I didn't get into game modification or anything like that, like some people did. Yeah. Um so <clears throat> what kind of like you mentioned that you'd um you'd looked into it a bit, but like what was your exposure to like what programming was and whether it was interesting well, or not at that point? Extremely minimal. Like it it was a case of um uh just going online I, I remember i googled like what's the best way to you know teach yourself to code and i remember it's the it's the classic one that um you see on people's cvs who don't have much experience and they i think we're all googling the same thing because they will talk about that cs50 course on the right. you know that harvard provide it's like mm-hmm. uh, they, they talk about scratch and you know it's funny i was talking to um I visited a friend recently, you know, or not recently, but a few months ago, and I was asking him about what what they learn at school, and he was talking to me about Scratch, and that was the first thing I saw on that, and it, it's really just like a, a series of lectures which teach a little bit about like entry level computer science and a bit about programming, and then I just had like a little play around. I managed to find my way onto um, uh, what's it called, Code Academy, right. Um, so I had a, yeah, it's one of the, uh, you can do both, but there's like free courses. Uh-huh. So the first thing I looked into, um, I think it was Python I'd looked at, mm-hmm. but it, it was extreme time. Ext- no, it, it was Python extreme. Was? And I, it was just, I Googled it and it was like, people were talking about it, you know, like I, it was literally a case of just like. Oh, I get lots of people using Python. I guess I'll have a look at Python. You know, so, yeah, I don't. I don't think there's very. I, I might be wrong, like, but I don't. I think that programming in general is quite a steep entry level, like in terms of 
I, particularly those courses, they go from sort of assigning, <laughs> you know, A equals 10, B equals 20, A equals mm-hmm. like B, what is that? To iterating across the arrays and lambdas and all sorts of stuff like really, really quickly. And I think mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to get into programming mm-hmm. unless you really have time to sit down and spend doing it. It's hard when you're juggling a full-time job and you're commuting and you're doing all these other things. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't yeah, think I, I could have that's... done it without going to a boot camp. I guess that's some consolation for anyone who's out there thinking, why is this so damn hard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is actually yeah. quite a learning curve. Like I'm reminded I, when I talk to people who know less about it than I do, like just how much I take for granted in terms of knowledge, Ooh. like all the things that I know. So do you, <clears throat> um, like I've, I'm so far down the road now. Like occasionally people talk to me who aren't programmers who are kind of interested and I just don't really know what to recommend. So given that you're a bit closer to that early stage and obviously times have changed a lot since I started, um, have you got any like recommendations for people that you generally hand out if someone's sort of interested as a way of getting started? Um, I So one of my friends is trying to retrain, like he's trying to self-teach himself, you know, self-teach. Uh, you know, become self-taught. <laughs> um, and I guess the first thing I, I would tell them to do is like, ha- is to, unfortunately, you kind of just do have to do one of those courses mm-hmm. to teach you the basic. There are some quite good, uh, like Udemy courses that I remember picking up quite early on. So one thing I did was, uh, like a, the compl- I think it's called like the complete sequel boot camp or something like that i think sql is a good one to, to have a little go at because it's quite simple i, I think in comparison to trying to pick up something like ruby straight away i think that if you enjoy like you know building some some queries and you start learning about subqueries and like various other things like i think if you enjoy that you'll probably enjoy programming in general i think really try and build something that you find interesting as soon as you're capable is probably the way to go. So um, my friend, he was talking about, oh, I quite fancy doing, um, like building something that I might use. So it was to do with like scraping uh, sports scores and getting updates and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. So like do do something like that, I would say. Like if I'm being completely honest, I if you can go to a boot camp, I would probably go if you can afford yeah. it, but they're really expensive. So, yeah. and you have to like, realistically, you have to quit your job to go. So right. doubly expensive. Yeah. So yeah. Code nine, me, I mean, it would have been 9,000. That's a lot of money. It is. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to really know. You want your salary. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think you can get a long way before committing to that. Like I think you can be writing yeah. basic programs and, yeah, I think so. Things before you commit to something like that, because you might not like it. I yeah, you definitely should know if you're going to like it or not. So I was quite lucky because I actually was enjoying it, but because I didn't have to pay for it, there was no, and I was still getting full salary. There was no risk, really. Yeah. Like yeah, I could have just decided after six months, like, oh, I don't really like this. And I, they had to keep my job open. So there was yeah. absolutely zero risk for me, which made it a lot easier. Yeah, excellent first steps from the department, I have to say. Yeah, I think so. Um, so just to cover over those resources, so it was Code Academy and Udemy. So pick some courses, maybe SQL, yeah. a good starting point. As soon as you can, try and build something that works 
I, I definitely I think so. That. that was probably one of my big things back at back at uni. We did so I didn't do computer science. I did cybernetics. Um, but as part of that, we went over to the computer science department, did some of their basic courses, and yeah. some of that was sat around with some postgrads who helped us like tap away and get something to work in Delphi. And like the the gap between I've written all of these letters on screen and I don't understand mm-hmm. and it's not working to oh my god it works even though it's a mess is is a big a big reward in its own right I think definitely I think that um, one big thing for me was even though to be honest like I, I would. Not, I don't have too much interest in being like a full, you know, full front end dev was actually doing something and I could like change some code and see the effect on the screen. Like that was really good for me. I found that really motivating when I got to that point. So mm. I think finding something that interests you and motivates you is the most important thing. And yeah. those courses, they really cover things in very brief detail. So take what you learn there and then go build something with it. Like use iterating across an array to like, actually do something you know like whatever it might be or use loops to mm. build something you know like actually go do it don't just like write a little bit of code that gets you past that tick box thing on that course you know you actually go and write everything out <laughs> yeah you know, like really really thoroughly like learn the syntax earlier. yeah I, I still like to have a and, project to work on like i've been learning golang as you know um and They've got a really nice tutorial to get you up to the speed of the basics. So I went through that start to finish. Because um, I got a plural site subscription, I watched a couple of their videos at high speed just to get an overview. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but then straight into building this Schema Explorer thing that I was working on um, and really driving all the other learning off the back of that. Like, What did I need to know to do that particular thing? And not really worrying about perfecting it or making the architecture great or anything like that, just fashion away at building something and you can always come back and learn learn architecture learn like proper computer science principles um i worked with someone for quite a long time who came through a, a less traditional path like they came through finance and got into macros in excel and thought that was kind of interesting mm. and they worried for ages that i kind of knew something that they didn't um because i'd been through a slightly more form- formal education but there's not anything massive in there that you can't, I mean, a lot of it, you can just go and look up on Wikipedia, like the complexity algorithm, algorithm yeah. complexity stuff that I can't remember half of the O to the N and what have you. I think that, <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of developers have quite bad imposter syndrome, particularly mm-hmm. developers that don't come from a computer science background. Cause you always think, Oh, I'm missing out on, you know, this secret knowledge that yeah. these, you know, was taught at university or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like I know I feel like that way sometimes. I think it's very common. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's getting worse in a way in that as the technology proliferates at speed, like it's because there's so many developers all, mm. for every hundred developers, one of them is writing a new way of doing something. <laughs> um, I think also it's really not helped by a lot of the job adverts where mm. like they're saying, Oh, I want, 17 years experience for a junior dev and like stuff like this and you, you see those things and obviously you know better mm. and i'm starting to know better now that they, they're really just writing these things and in reality they're never going to get them but it can be very off-putting to begin mm. with for sure yeah i think i don't entirely know what goes into those my guess is like yeah. they've got no reason not to just down put down a shopping list of all the things they would like and you can read it the wrong way and it's at the end of the day it's a market like either you know they're going to get in front of all the people they can and there'll be a spectrum of people with different skills and like different um but you are going to experience put off 
Mm. You're going to put people off applying, though. That that definitely could happen. You could lose out on some good yeah. people. Well, for me, it, the skills list put me off because it's <laughs> it's yeah. not very interesting. It's like it, it doesn't tell me anything about like why that company is one to care about. Like Department for Education's got quite a good story. Like you know, mm. you're helping helping the next generation. I mean, that's quite compelling, and it's not a particularly com- controversial department. It's not like the MOD or something where you might you know be all in with that or never want to go near it. Um, <clears throat> yeah yeah it's hard so, to argue that education is a bad thing right <laughs> yeah i think so although <clears throat> if you have to do well, it yourself with your children during you know lockdown then you might <laughs> yeah find it less yeah. positive an experience <laughs> certainly everyone's going to appreciate the teachers more that's for sure yeah hopefully <laughs> um, hopefully so do, the i think it's worth spending a bit of time talking about the makers academy that you went through so um so to just put a bit of context in for anyone who doesn't know the department for education is was a little bit late to the party on the gds style of running projects and digital things um so that when i arrived it was mostly a gang of contractors pulled in for their experience and their ability to just build something um but there has been since then a good effort to build long-term capacity build in-house skills um and david was kind of the guinea pig as the first person to be internally trained as a civil servant to become um somebody who can hold us contractor a lot to account by having interests aligned um so <clears throat> if i remember rightly um so i joined Uh, April a couple of years ago and then we were working on a very early prototype of the project we were working on and then just before Christmas like maybe November time I think you David made a brief appearance in the office we got introduced um, as that you were about to go and do the academy so is that correct yeah so I think it was about it was like mid-September or late September for a month. The idea was that I came in and sort of met the team. And yeah, yeah, in reality, uh, it was was quite tricky because I was trying to teach myself the basics and I had quite a lot of work to do for the course. They had a pre-course section. Um, But yeah, it was nice to come in and sort of see what was going on. So that was for Mm. four weeks and then I went off between November and February to makers. Um, yeah, it was a interesting experience for sure. It was very different to yeah, my was, previous role coming into the team. It was definitely good to have met you before you joined for real after the training because it started to build that relationship. Because if, if you imagine it from the point of view of the team, like some DFE person has gone off and trained and is suddenly yeah, parachuted yeah. into the team, whereas to have seen you and met you and got to know you a little bit beforehand that was definitely very valuable so that when you came back it's like okay it's you you're back but with some more skills um so that was that was good so just from my point of view like when you arrived i have to say my impression of like the breadth of knowledge and the depth of knowledge that you got from that um i was very impressed um because a lot of learning to be programmer be a programmer can be skewed one way or the other towards like deep theoretical without the practical experience or really practical without really any underpinnings below that. Um, and obviously there's only so much you can cram into that much time. Um, but like the ability to 
you know work practically on a project but also you know some understandings of what different data types and different reasons for things are um, that certainly came across like, straight away when you arrived you had that even though you hadn't done commercial projects at that point um so what was your kind of experience going through that i know it's hard work <laughs> yeah uh i i think it was it was like a great experience and i think uh the boot camp is was about as good as you could make like a 12-week experience like there's only so much you can do right mm-hmm. so but i think they do a really good job actually of like you say like balancing out practical skills that you're going to use and having like some some understanding of like some of the more theoretical stuff like they do a week on algorithms and they have you sort of make your own shuffle and sort and you know all that type of stuff and then teach you a bit about memory and stuff like that but it is probably more skewed towards the practical things mm. so they're sort of like having you tdd and all this stuff i know like tdd can be a bit of a like controversial topic <laughs> Some people love it, yeah. but but like I, you know, I think it's good to know it anyway, even if even if it's not your thing. But yeah, there's a. I think it was a really good experience. It was incredibly tiring, actually. I'll say because mm. it, it's quite, uh, like it, now I can sit down. I think probably like you, and if you've got your headphones on and you're like in the zone, you can write code for a pretty long time because mm. you're kind of used to it. It's not, not too long. <laughs> too bad but you should take more probably both of us could do it taking more breaks but yeah. um there it's it's a very new experience to be doing and you're like having to think really hard about everything constantly the things that now come obviously quite naturally mm. um are everything is a battle so uh yeah I, I think it's a really good experience it gives you pretty good exposure you do like, all sorts there like, i remember we they had us use the guardian api to like and like week four to create a sort of news feed and all sorts. So there's a lot of like, mm-hmm. and then you do manipulate the DOM and like a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you spend like the last four weeks working in the language you're going to come back in. So I did Rails for like for the last four weeks. And I certainly was, I think it still took me a good couple of months or three months of coming back to what I would say is like not, not be a sort of, burden might not be a very nice way of putting it but <laughs> i would say i slowed the team probably a little bit for a while but i think i got up to speed a lot quicker having done that than i would have if i'd just been like dumped on the team with mm-hmm. little knowledge and had to use a lot lot more of everyone's time uh, yeah i, I think it's a nice environment speed quicker than that um i mean it's also worth mentioning like that that particular team at that time um very very high performing team um you know if you if you'd been dropped into the average team to be like net positive it probably would have been a lot quicker <laughs> yeah um, i also think that the, the the main thing difference of coming back was that the sort of things you're building there you're building new things regularly so you're it's never getting to that like complexity level mm. or the the code base is always quite small and then I remember coming back and seeing the code base and just thinking like, how am I possibly going <laughs> to ever get to, you know, grips with, with this. And yeah. in reality, like when I moved, so I moved from one team to another in the DFE and mm-hmm. it was so much easier. Obviously I had a lot more experience than, and things mm-hmm. like that. And, but trying to learn all these like quite 
difficult concepts while also learning a new code base mm-hmm. was was really tricky mm-hmm. but yeah, fortunately awesome. i had a lot of support so that helped a lot yeah so the um like when you say you had a lot of support like obviously that's really important to you like what kind of form yeah. did that did that show up in with, with the team so um well first of all like you were assigned to mentor me directly mm-hmm. which was it meant like I always had someone to go to and I didn't ever have to worry that I would be taking up too much. I mean, I still probably did worry a bit about that, but I think that's probably natural, but I didn't have to worry too much about taking up lots of someone's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, beyond like you, if you weren't around to help me, everyone on the team was incredibly supportive. I think it's, it's DFE has actually like a really good culture. I think that they've done a really good job of hiring the right contractors who are not only like highly skilled and deliver a lot, but they're also like really nice to work with, really friendly and like proactively help you get better. They don't like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, I don't often I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, oh, get, like I'd sell someone, you know, will be sitting next to me and they'll see I'm struggling and they'll come over, you know, put their head in and be like, oh, do you want a hand with that? Mm-hmm. That's like, I know having spoken to other people, they did not have particularly great experiences going back. And awesome. um, yeah, I think I, I really don't think I would have progressed like, at, like I think I, I, when I look at how good I was when I came back to how good I am now, I think that most of that comes from the fact that I had such supportive team that were like always willing to help. If I just had to teach myself everything, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I think I'd have really struggled, like really, really struggled. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's, <clears throat> that was definitely not the team, especially bending over for you particularly, because even with a bunch of experienced people, like we all have our particular areas that we know better or worse. Um, and yeah, that, that team would, without any judgment always pitch in and help and discuss um yeah very impressive i'd like to know what their their magic secret is for (laughs) filtering and hiring for a team like that because that's that's gold um and that's definitely something i'll take with me as as a lesson from that place is like when you're hiring you really if you can hire not just from technical capability but also for like that kind of attitude then you're just going to have a much better time of it and you'll keep people for much longer because it's a much more pleasant environment to work in and people get up to speed quicker. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, <clears throat> okay. So you finished the Academy, um, and really quite a, a good set of skills off the back of that. Um, so do you want to talk a bit more about like actually diving into that, that new code base on on day one because i'm kind of interested in mm. in that experience like if i remember rightly we approached it with pairing as the team often does is that yeah. right yeah so i think uh to begin with i largely paired with you and sometimes misha um i think that you're possibly over uh exaggerating or or misremembering my skill level i think it was <laughs> pr- not great actually i don't think i actually i was speaking to someone about this recently because the dfe have sent a bunch of other new people to makers and mm-hmm. um one of the people i managed now is 
was saying, oh, they're finding it pretty hard. And without uh, some trying to sound like a bit, bit of arrogant, like uh, school was always quite easy for me and things like that. And I didn't really struggle. And I really struggled, like really, really struggled <laughs> with learning uh, to program. And he's having the same experience. And he was saying, oh, I'm really glad that, you, you know, that I, you can relate to this because mm-hmm. uh, I really found it hard. Like I had to work really, really hard at Makers and I was still, I would say in the, the bottom third in skill, I would say when I came back and yeah. um, I would say the first month or six weeks, I was trying to just bore you to, or like barrage you to death <laughs> with questions, just like asking questions over and over and over if I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that is, I know you you are you actually proactively spoke to James, didn't you? I think and said, Oh, you'd be interesting in doing some mentoring. And it was really lucky that I got someone that was happy for me to ask mm. stupid questions over and over. Uh, or um, what seemed yeah. like stupid questions that potentially aren't. I think they approached um, me but on the basis of like just the way I am in terms mm. of like I'm always bothering people with like things I've learned. <laughs> Whether they want to know yeah. or not. Um or better ways of doing things. Um so yeah, I think they'd seen that like I like to communicate and like share my knowledge and spend the time as much on that as cranking out the thing that needs to be done. And also, I'm, I wasn't in the tech lead position, which is like it, the tech lead position, as you've seen, is um, always yeah, extremely busy. far too busy. Um, you know, yeah, they just have to do the you know the top three things out of their hundred on any given day. <laughs> so it's if you know to put mentoring and that would be difficult because there are some things that just have to be dealt with to keep the team running so to do mentoring as well you'd, you'd be left just uh, mm. okay i'll have to wait until tomorrow before i can find out this little nugget of information so yeah i think they approached me and said oh, would you be you know would you be up for doing doing the mentoring and i wasn't ever actually that clear how formal it was but it was like yeah fine yeah i think it was all quite informal isn't it but i don't know i think maybe that that works for some people and not for other people. I found it works really well for me, mm, yeah, me too. to have these fairly informal things because I think it allows you to do as much or as little as you need at the time. Mm. Um, so I sort of touched on this before, but I'm having to design some sort of like mentoring, internal mentoring thing right now. And I'm, it's that case, isn't it? Of like how, how light touch do you make it? How mm-hmm. prescriptive do you make it? Mm. what might be right for me might not be right for other people so i think it's probably mm. do the old user research and speak to everyone and see what they think but mm. it uh, sounds like one of the yeah, key I, things was as much just knowing that you had one person that it was always okay to interrupt and ask questions yeah yeah no i think i think so i think that's like so important because there's no point sitting there being stuck for hours because it might be something, mm. you know, particularly early on, it might be something really stupid that you've not done, you know, like it, and, uh, yeah, you know, I could always come to you, but you, you say that tech leads are busy and things like that, but Misha always gave me a lot of time. Oh, you know, yeah. he yeah. was, he was very generous with his time, very generous. And he still now is, um, I, I recently had to do another tech test with him and, Afterwards, he gave me amazing feedback and was like, oh, okay, we should structure this more. I'm going to set you some goals. And he was like, mm-hmm. get a Raspberry Pi, do all like this stuff. And, <laughs> you know, like, he gave me really, really great structured feedback and things that cool. I know will help me improve. So, Excellent. he's yeah, he's an amazing 
person and tech lead. Um, yeah, respect. But but yeah, I think having someone to go to and not feeling like you can't go speak to someone is is so important. It makes you feel a lot more comfortable as well early on, knowing that you've got that. Good. Yeah. So like being yeah not being at sea or stuck in a corner like i've i've experienced that myself mm. like being on a team where they're not the kind of great communicators that this team is they're busy doing their own thing they perhaps resent slightly being interrupted and you know you get stuck on something and you're like eh, can i yeah. be bothered to deal with these people when they don't really want to talk to me and it's not it's not even a question of level it's just you know a team being a good helpful team that wants to keep everyone up to speed um, yeah. yeah none of my particular yeah. spring to mind obviously <laughs> but I, I definitely have memories of that i yeah i mean i know it's definitely the case for a lot of people who i knew who went back after makers that had really negative experiences people were very unhelpful and also not interested in teaching them because they mm. saw it as like a direct competition you know <laughs> as i want to teach this person they're gonna get rid of me you know type thing which mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's I don't I've n- I don't really ever feel like that's the way in DFE digital but maybe no, no, <laughs> I, I, I really don't think people feel that way yeah everyone's got that um, abundance mentality haven't they yeah like, I think so we, we can share we're not trying to slice up what's left of a pie no. yeah that's good so I mean I want to focus primarily on the mentoring thing as a subject today because I think there's there's quite a lot to learn like for, for everyone listening and also for myself personally um because we've we've now had quite a long relationship like slightly beyond the yeah. end of the contract and um you know i've i've tried to walk that line between <laughs> being unhelpful versus showing off um mm. like what areas it's it's helpful to hold forth with like technical practical like general my experience of what it's like as a career and like where you could go now i I want you to be like absolutely blunt in what you got value out of what you didn't what you what you like what you'd rather i didn't do um like i don't have any particular ego attached to any of this stuff and i think it would be good for me and everyone else to learn from what what really has worked over the last uh year and a half plus yeah um, um to, how do you want to cover that yeah i think that uh i think that i guess the 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 way you've mentored me as time's gone on has changed so i think to begin with it was much more technically focused mm-hmm. so you were directly teaching me how to <laughs> you know how to code and like how, you know, like a lot of the fairly like basic concepts probably still at that so point. Increasing and, like the breadth of Rails knowledge, like, oh, yeah, you can use and, this particular feature of Rails. Oh, you can, oh, this is where you've made a little mistake there or oh, go, go look this up. This uh, is how you do Yeah, and, and not just Rails actually, like all sorts, mm-hmm. like just general, com- like lots of little computer science things as well because mm-hmm. you have like a very... I think like where you one of your biggest strengths is, is just you have this insane breadth of knowledge about like <laughs> so many things like you have ridiculous knowledge on. So they did pub quizzes on it. Eh? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. You would win hands down. I, I like, you know so much about so many things. Um, 
but yeah, like as time went on, I think that uh, your the, the way that you've like the things you've mentored me on have changed a lot, and I think that what I learned most from what I've learned most from you probably in for the best part of like nine months, I guess. When did I move to? Uh, yeah, but probably from like even before I left Find, like where I I feel like I've got the most knowledge uh, gained from you has been the more business related things because you actually have a lot of experience on um, all sorts. Like, but but I think you've taught me uh, like to know my worth a bit more and like because you. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> not, no, but I'm still there. But I've like pushed for things a lot harder because you like uh, I don't know what the right word is, but di- <laughs> basically but just let me know a bigger like, picture oh, a little bit. Like, yeah, showing you, exactly. Showing you what the market looks like because like, exactly. and I think I think this is of benefit to the Department for Education because one of the things I said to you is like, don't just grumble and then leave. Like they're yeah. learning to run this organization themselves. Like be a representative of the market and say, look, this is, this is my value in the market. And this is what you need to keep people like me, like whether you stay or not, if they want to build this capability, then if they undervalue people consistently, then they're going to wonder why they constantly have churn. So by being really communicative, like you can actually help them. I think at the moment that they have, they're, they're fine because because they have a lot of junior stuff, particularly developers. There's a lot of junior devs, and um, they have a really great culture. So it's a really nice, fun place to work. Mm. They also need to be aware of what it's like out there. Because I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they're not all programmers. Like us as programmers operate in the market, and we have a particular set of knowledge. A particular, you know, we understand the market because like we hunt around for jobs and contracts and things. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think that um, it never hurts to like ask is what I've learned as well because I'm mm. definitely someone that tends to be a bit more passive mm. and, um, you know, like if you don't ask, you don't get right. And mm. yeah, um, knowing your worth, knowing like that, like I think uh, I think you have a lot of knowledge in general um, about like how to be business savvy as well as being like a, a good programmer. So money aside, or whatever. is there like more specific things that you could call out when you're talking about business things? You're also talking about oh, the way the teams operate just, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but I, I just mean things like having good long-term goals and, and stuff like that as well. You're, you are quite like the long, long-term thinking, mm-hmm. which I think is really important because I do tend to be quite sort of like, oh, where do I want to be in a year and not where do I want to be in five years? Or ten years, or yeah, and uh, I think that that can be useful actually when you're a, when you're first retraining as a dev. I think focusing on the next year is really good because yeah, there's so much to do in the short term. But as time goes on, you need to start thinking more and more long term. Yeah, I think and that's, that's been, like, been useful. I certainly didn't think long term back when I was starting. In fact, compared to a lot of people, it's taken me a, a long time to get to the point where I'm thinking, all right, what's my longer term? goals from eight years of contracting um like yeah when i came yeah. out you know it's just like hey this programming thing's fun <laughs> surely everybody wants think, to do this yeah i think there's only like so much you can do at once though and learn you know becoming a dev is like really hard <laughs> and 
It's, or at least it was for me. I think it is for a lot of people. And there's only so much you can do. And you're f- really focused on that. And that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as time goes on, you need to start thinking about like long term, like I said, and, and other things like that. So I think that's more like whenever we've gone for coffees or whatever, that's, that's more the sort of things that I'm asking you now. Whereas to begin with, it was like much more code related and all like, you know, that type of thing. Mm. Um, and then like, I still do that stuff like sometimes and, you know, like, Misha I'll go to quite often cause he's been a rails dev for God knows how long now decade plus you know so um but yeah I, I think that to begin with it was definitely much more like these small things and like understanding more about the language and just in general like programming concepts and then as time's gone on it's changed you mentioned the coffees like i just it felt to me mm. like that, that was a good thing to do was just to maybe it would have been good to do it on a more regular schedule but just like occasionally say let's get out of the office and just have a yeah have a catch up with no necessary ad- agenda but like given that i'm pretending to be a mentor like <laughs> is, it, is it you know how's it working for you and what you know what do you want to get out of it now and do you want to pick my brains on anything like how did you feel about all of that would you like in the bed with the benefit of hindsight would you want more or less structure or would you do anything different with that I think that like some structure can be good. I think that like, I, I don't think that like, Oh, we we have to meet every week for a coffee and go over things is, is like needed or helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think having some structured goals in place is probably useful. And I think ours, I think this is where, uh, in some ways, hopefully, once there's more internal capability and there can be a bit more focus on um, like how you can improve the things that are going to like get you from a junior to a mid-level or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, These, those things perhaps can be like more focused on. I I don't know. Mm. Like I'm pretty happy with how it went and I'm, I feel like, you know, I went from like an apprentice dev to mid-level in a year or whatever, year and a half. But I think it went pretty well. I think, um, I, I guess I feel like <clears throat> when you're on that journey, there's only so much you can take in at any one point. So if you just like try and brain dump yeah. on somebody, I don't know, senior tech lead, everything or architect, mm-hmm. everything, then it's just going to be, I'm busy learning this aspect of coding. Come back to me in a year. Um, so I guess it makes sense for it to be a little bit like, okay, I could do with a bit of catch up on this or, can you tell me more about that? Is it like pulling the information out seems to be a better approach to me than like having a, a particular structure, but then maybe like it probably worked okay for us because the team we were in was so good, so understanding. Yeah. And also in, even in the heat of, we have some actually kind of hard deadlines and some stuff we have to get done, still able to create space for team improvement. Um, I think in a, that's probably a bit of a rarity. And I think where the structure perhaps would be more valuable would be in the more average team where when the pressure is on, everything goes out the window, including any ability to progress if you're, if you're trying to get up to speed. And that, that structure would allow you to defend that time and say, this is just what we're doing. I need to get to this, like defend those long-term goals at, 
at the expense of some of that short-term panic. So I think that's definitely true. And I think I was just, while you were talking, thinking about, so we sort of had a bit of a tradition on the phone that after stand-up, we'd sort of walk to the market down the road and get some mm -hmm. coffee. And at least two or three days a week, I would walk and talk about the card I was working on and the problem <laughs> I was having. And then you and Sal and Misha would all like pitch in and like I, I would learn absolutely loads and that would be sort of I don't know whether you call it mentoring time or whatever mm. but I, I always had those opportunities to go through um, problems whenever I got stuck so I think you're right there was le a lot less need in that situation for these sort of very structured mentoring when you have particular goals and, and things like that because I had such good access all the time to like, people who have so much experience but mm. I think you're right actually like on a team I don't know because I have such limited experience I've only worked really <laughs> there so I've only had a very positive experience yeah. and had like very experienced contractors around me all the time who are like ridiculously mm. skilled who I could always tap into for um, knowledge mm. I think I think probably there is more and more need for structure mm. the, the less either well, people are willing to help you and take time or uh, like you said that when the sort of rubber meets the road I was trying to think of a nice expression <laughs> um, uh, that yeah that, that they basically you get sort of pushed to the side and they're like well no we need to focus on this now and even when we had tight deadlines I was always given work that I could do that I still felt like I was contributing mm -hmm. okay. You know, rather than just being like, oh, go, go over there while we do this. Even even early on, like, I mean, rollover was, um, that would mean nothing to them. But like, there was a tight <laughs> deadline we had quite early on after coming back and I was still able to yeah. sort of pitch in pretty well. I think the team's approach to pairing contributed a lot to that. Yeah, I think um, so. Like for everybody, the knowledge sharing and like yeah. um, bringing everybody up to a better level. Yeah, just like we did, we didn't have a mandate pairing, but it was definitely mm. virtually the def default. So when you slot into that, <clears throat> it's, it's very different to off on your own sorry. in your own corner, like stuck or off doing something yeah. that then the team is going to turn around and go, no, that's not how we want it. I think I was also quite lucky because you and Sal were, you know, .dot net and learning rails so like while you guys were learning i was learning mm -hmm. and that was really helpful because you run into problems all the time to begin with like anyone does right when you first first start learning something new and then you i'd see your approach to sort of problem solving and mm -hmm. you know i could just absorb a lot of knowledge um through that as well cool. so i think it was just a very fortunate situation <laughs> Yeah, no, it was good times. I've, I really enjoyed that, mm. that time on that project. It was a bit, a bit sad to see the back of it, but uh, two years is a very long time for one project for me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you want to <clears throat> speak a bit about, like, now that you've got all of that under your belt, like you alluded to the fact that you joined on the team I was on and then mm -hmm. after quite some time and having really got up to speed and got to the point where you're delivering value, I, I think they pushed you a little bit to go over to the sister team with a different code base. And I seem to remember you telling me like, Oh, okay. It's quite different. 
now I see why I need it to be over here. Um, yeah. So what, I mean, they they definitely didn't push me over or anything. They said, "Well, we've got new people starting. Do you want to move or do you want to stay?" And I spoke to Misha and said, "Like, oh, what do you think I should do? I really like working on this team." And he said, "Oh, you should go because you'll learn a lot by moving to a new team." Yeah, correct. Answer. So it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it definitely was like really, really was the right things to do. Mm. Yeah, I I found the fact that like that wasn't obvious to you was kind of interesting. Like for me, like you learn so much from yeah. a new project you go on, and like that is another piece of experience, isn't it? Like knowing that every project is different in meaningful ways, and you can learn from them. Yeah, because in my mind at the time, I was thinking, well, I'm on this team. It's a really uh, supportive team, and um, in in reality. I think I was getting quite comfortable and I was uh when I moved across and did that and it, even though they're both rails like they I guess the a lot they're just, they're just very different in, in approach very differently yeah like very very differently and I, I there are things that I really love that were on find and there are things that I really love that were on apply and mm. have just being exposed to all these new ways of doing things if, mm. and also having to learn a new code base again as well like it was really interesting uh, and the experience of learning it the first time to then going to a new project and learning it again was quite encouraging actually because mm. I was like oh I have actually you know improved a lot during that year mm. or how nine months how long it was um yeah, yeah and and I think actually m- moving on like a reasonably frequent basis every year or so is probably a really good way to improve it like the quickest velocity or whatever yeah i Um, think there's a i think there's a tension because like the point at which you stop gaining the maximum value is relatively early in a project because once you've done that once you understand how it's done and maybe you've learned something from your your teammates on it you're always learning things but it definitely tapers off and at that Mm. it's kind of at that point that you're really delivering maximum value for the people you're working for because nothing really surprises you you can just run at any problem and get on with it um so it is a bit of a balance of like how much do you <clears throat> exploit that versus how much do you pay it back as it were mm. but the projects vary a bit i've i've had some projects where i've been up to speed in a few days and i've had other projects where it's literally taken me months because they've been complicated <clears throat> and before i've even been able to contribute um so um do you i guess how do you feel about the journey so far and like is that you sold on that as a career for life and how much do you want to reveal about where you want to take it from here obviously with with some sensitivity to the uncertainty and uh yeah i mean i, I i'm not like particularly secretive that um at some point i would obviously corona is massively hurt this but i would absolutely love to get a remote job and travel for a while it's something that i've always wanted to do um i haven't like there's no big rush for me like i'm 30 now and like i'm not overly interested in the in the sort of kids thing so i guess that uh, is a bit i hope it didn't put you uh, off <laughs> no 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 but like so i i might change my mind who knows but um there's no huge rush for me, but I would absolutely love to travel a bit. Um, mm. 
so eventually I would like to do that but uh but you see yeah, the programming I, as being the basis for that I think so yeah I it's mm. it's the first job I've really enjoyed I've never really liked and there have been there've always been aspects of jobs I've liked um mm. but I you know I, I don't remember the last time I got that thing on a Sunday where I was like oh I really don't want to go into work tomorrow mm. I just don't yeah. get it and I occasionally get it if I've had like a week off or 10 days off where I'm like, Oh, that's work, which I think like you would get that in any job, yeah. but yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm surrounded by really, really nice people where I work and I really enjoy the work environment. So that does weight into my you know, thinking on, on, on things like that. Um, I don't, I really don't know where I'll, I'll be, necessarily in like five years or you know like, yeah, it's a long time. I wouldn't say I would definitely not ever think about contracting or whatever like I know I think though that I've got a long way to go in terms of skill set um before I even I, I yeah I, I really don't know I guess job wise what I would be doing in five years necessarily but I I am pretty certain it will involve being a dev mm. <laughs> like I do really enjoy it yeah, the contracting, everything's changed now. Like, I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen as no. people start returning to work. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still not working, which is partly there really isn't very much around and partly just, you know, being at home with the kids. It's after conversations with my better half, it's been the priority to stay sane and yeah. enjoy the time and the weather. So it's been, been really good. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think it's it's very uncertain at the moment, isn't it? So, mm. being a civil servant is not uh, yeah, no bad thing. It's not a bad time to be a civil servant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not complaining. That's for sure. I'm in a, I'm in a decent mm. situation. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? Uh, no. Thank you for all the mentoring and oh, having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, have you? <clears throat> got your home on the internet sorted that people can go and find you well, i mean I, I do have a linkedin but <laughs> that's about it yeah yeah i'm uh i probably should shouldn't i and i should start my own blog like you've got you know well, tim if wise you, if you um if you set something up a twitter or a blog or something then ping me a link and i'll add sure. it to the show notes so cool people can find you okay well Thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been a, a pleasure for me and probably something I would have wanted to do anyway, in sp- even without recording for the wider audience. And I hope anyone listening has enjoyed it. So it's a Great. good night from me. Thank you. I hope I didn't ramble too much. <laughs> no, not at all. That's been, been really good. Great. So, thank you very much. And thank that you. wraps it up. Another episode of Software Should Be Free.